0: Well, good morning. Good morning. morning. So uh, if uh, I haven't seen you in about four or five weeks, I had to get my hug and I gave you a hug too, Brenda. You didn't get a hug last week. I'm sorry I didn't hug you. But anyway, I am so glad to be back home. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so deeply thankful to be a part of this body of Christ. Uh, I can't tell you how deeply thankful I am. I received a call on Friday and a woman was crying uncontrollably. It was because the leadership in her congregation was not mindful of the children. And I'm committed to our children, and I'm committed to this body of Christ. I love this family. And I love this family because we have been committed to doing the right thing, even when it's been very difficult. And so I love this family. The word is spoken here. And the word is spoken unashamed. And the word is spoken with love, and the love is is manifested to others in the way we greet them and and care for them deeply. And so I am deeply thankful. I'm also deeply thankful for the men who uh, stand up and speak. You know, these two young men that spoke this morning did a phenomenal job. Can I get an amen on that one? Let's give it up for them, that was awesome. So an older gentleman like, not old, but older gentleman like Eric and I give up the ghost. We you know we have great replacements, right? <laughs> Eric is great. I really appreciated Eric's lesson this morning. Um, Eric communicates things, and I've said this over and over and, until I probably read my last when you get up and speak. He really hammered me this morning in in uh, what he shared, and in a very good way. And talked about all the thing going off in my head about, you know, we talk about trusting others and then not trusting others, but then do you trust yourself and do you follow through the commitments you make to yourself? And oftentimes I, you hammered me horrible, man. It was great. No, I know it wasn't, but it was, it was a correct statement. Um, it was powerful. I would encourage you, if you weren't able to make it this morning for Bible class, please go online. And listen to what Eric shared about how are we really going to build trust that's going to really matter when things get crazier. And uh, I'm so thankful that Eric did a fantastic job in laying the foundation for what is to be shared. So I really want to thank you for understanding what I was asking in context of the bigger picture of what this year is going to be and, and the very first uh, adult Bible class series. I know it's going to be phenomenal in helping build that in our hearts so that we're able to really love each other as, as God's family ought and trust each other. So, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I got some exciting uh, uh, statements here, words of encouragement, and uh, these two people beat me to it, but uh, I just did it. Uh, Jake! Jake! That was an excellent, thought-provoking, and inspiring Lord's message. We do have the best boss. Give it up. Amen. Woo-hoo. Good job, Jake. How many were thinking about a boss that was terrible and a boss that was really great when he did that? It's like, okay. Man. All right. Eric, your message this morning was a great introduction to the topic of trust. Thanks for sharing your words, thoughts, and experiences with us. I can't wait to hear more, and I can say amen to that one. Amen? All right. Excellent. Let's give it up for Eric. And uh, tonight, tonight we have a special uh, guest preacher, uh, Jeremiah Hostetter. Uh, not Jeff, but Jeremiah, his, his son. And I uh, had dinner with him last night with a few other folks. Really an amazing young man. And uh, so he's doing some really great work in France. And to understand the culture in France, man, I'm thankful I live in the United States of America. And some of the stuff that was shared was like appalling. Like I thought, oh, you know, we're all kind of doing okay. Mm, We're doing better. Uh, I know things get crazy around here, but wow, you can't even believe the stuff that goes on over there. And he is in the thick of it. And so he's going to be at our place tonight. Uh, Evening assemblies are on Wednesday and Sunday or at the Comptons Homestead, and you're invited to come out tonight, uh, just like we normally have, the schedule, 6.30 to about 8ish or so, depending on how the the time goes. And if you'd like to show up, uh, even though it might be real close family, that's okay, that's cool. I kinda like it that way. Bring some, some finger food, so that we can we can eat some finger food afterwards and you can get to know uh, Jeremiah a little bit better. It's great to know there's other men and women uh, in the world, who are really investing themselves in preaching and teaching and helping people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Uh, also, too, Monday night college is on after a month. It seems like uh, I can't wait for Sharon's awesome cooking, and uh, I'll do my best in delivering God's amazing word. And of course, uh, it's always great to be around the family dinner dinner table. Six o'clock is when we start. On Monday nights. So if you're college age, you're welcome to come. It'd be great. All right. Any other announcements I might have missed? Yes. Well, Oregon Family Camp's coming up, and I need photos. Yes, you need photos, and we need registration they can forms. Can't email them to me this year because i got a better computer. You so can, can email them to you. Yes. Okay. But, but if my computer isn't very good, I might not be able to email them. But anyway, yeah, or thumb drives would be great. Yeah, thumb drives work fine too. All right. fun pictures are always wonderful. Uh, also too, uh, we need to sing Happy Birthday to Avery. Avery where, is she, where is Avery? She went outside. <laughs> <laughs> did, you give her, did you give her the keys to the car? Avery, we, for, we weren't able to sing Happy Birthday to you. So we're going to sing happy birthday. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. That was great, Avery. That was awesome. Honey, could you grab my water? It's down there in that uh, somewhere down there. I did forgot to bring it up. Thank you. All right. Oh my goodness. That was, Avery. You're so so fun. Wherever he went. Okay. That was awesome. All right, and, and there's no other announcements this morning we can jump right in? Okay, let's jump uh I, I i'm starting my lesson off a little bit different and that is uh i want you to think for just a moment have you ever uh at some point in time in your life recognized that you had been self-deceived you thought all this time a certain truth about yourself and then reality comes smashing in the face have anybody ever had that don't raise your hand <laughs> i almost should have said that first I mean, if you're honest, you'll say, unfortunately, more than once, okay? You know, we are so easily self-deceived. We, we rationalize our behavior. And he made a statement this morning to Eric, and I was thinking, well, that's kind of like rationalizing your behavior, right? That's been a couple times that were very humorous. We have to be careful when it comes to our, our faith our Christian walk. You know, it's easy to compare yourself with, with others, with others who are in, in in that Christian walk in that faith. That's easy. Well I'm a lot better than so and so. You know, kinda of like what you did when you were talking about those two guys, that one Pharisee says, God I tithe all and I and I and you know And then that poor soul that realized he was coming up way short says, forgive me for, I mean, that was a beautiful picture, Say, You know, sometimes we we, uh, can be deceived in evaluating ourselves based upon criteria that's not really appropriate. And so I'd like to start this morning's lesson with not out of the book of Revelation chapter 3, although we're going to go there in a moment, I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, I hope it's 2 Corinthians, if not, we'll go back to 1st, yeah, it's 2 Corinthians, right near the end, (coughs) chapter 13, listen to what the Apostle Paul says, and my prayer would be is that we would know this is the word of Christ to us this morning, as it would be any other time that you might read it. He says, test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves? That Christ Jesus in you is in you. Uh, unless, uh, of course, you fail the test. Ouch! Test yourself. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. There's quite a bit there. Test yourselves to see if, if you're in the faith. But notice whose faith. Christ's faith test yourself to see if you have his convictions test yourself to see if you have his heart's desire test yourself you know the scriptures are powerful and so I would ask you this morning to listen to the scriptures in the book of revelation in chapter 3 beginning in verse 14 Am I coming up a little bit short in one or more areas in my faith? And if so, when the Lord Jesus comes back, how is he going to view me? So let's turn it. You know, when, when, when we've been speaking on fear, the fear of God, I want you to remember the fear of God is primarily a reverential awe of his greatness. And all of his love and sacrifice. Now who, who in this world would intentionally sacrifice their innocent child for a heinous, heinous criminal on death row? I will let my child be killed for that heinous criminal so that heinous criminal can go free. There's not one man or one woman, one father or one mother that would do that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, but that's exactly what God did for us. Because there was no way that we could ever make it out alive without His sacrifice, amen? And so I I, I want to to read this this morning, and I want you to listen to King Jesus. His heart's desire is, I love you, therefore zealously repent. You know this church is an absolute disaster area. Of all the seven churches six of them had at least one thing good going on. This church zero. That's terrifying. And I'm not saying that you're that church. I'm not saying you're that Christian. But you know all seven have been written for our instruction that we would examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. So I want you to to listen very carefully this morning. Here we go. King Jesus speaking. To the angel or the preacher of the church in Laodicea Right, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning or literally the source or creator of the creation of God says this. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I, I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, uh, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich. Notice here's the self-deception. Because you say, I am rich and, and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become become rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourselves and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I sap to anoint your eyes uh, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, let's pray really quickly for the Lord's blessing. Father, I would ask that you would help us to understand these things when I was going through The study of these words and these concepts i got really convicted that there are so many areas in my life that i need to work on and get rid of the garbage and embrace more fully uh, the truth of your your word i pray father that you would help us to use jesus always as the the standard for our lives and i would ask that you would help us to to take seriously the things that you've called us to in this life It's not only our life that hangs in the balance, but it's everyone who sees us. It's everyone who hears us. It's everyone who listens to what we say. Their life hangs in the balance as well. You've called us to be that great example of a child of God, just like your son Jesus was, just like Jacob spoke just a moment ago. Help us then to be those people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I know your deeds. Well, the deeds here are lukewarm deeds. But notice Jesus says, I wish that you were either cold or hot. So what does the word cold mean? It literally, not metaphorically, but literally means being chilled out. I don't know if you've ever gotten a chill and you just can't stop shaking. That's what that's talking about there. But but metaphorically, it means to be sluggish. How many of you know that, that uh, uh, during very, very, very cold times especially like up in North Dakota, where they where the, the oil fields were, is that they literally had to keep their trucks running or plugged in, otherwise their trucks would literally freeze. And I'm not t- t- talking about the water. The oil would become so sluggish that the truck would not start. I mean, that's, a, that's cold. That's what's talked about here. Metaphorically, it means to be sl- sluggish destitute of real faith. Well, there's all sorts of different faiths. We're just talking about real faith, genuine faith. The faith of Jesus Christ, which is a desire to be holy and blameless, to please God and help others see the life of Jesus. Jesus wanted people to see the life and the love of his Father. That's why he lived that way. And he also wanted to open up the door of salvation for you and me. Shouldn't we want to be pleasing to our Father in every respect so that our lives might be the introduction to Jesus that others might want to know about him? I would say absolutely yes. That's what the scriptures teach anyway. But what about hot? He says, I wish you were either cold or hot. Hot means uh, amazing. It literally means boiling to the point of scalding. Now, we don't want to have such a personality type that we're scalding people. That's not what's being talked about. Although I do know some people that can be that way. That's not what I'm talking about here. It means fervent of mind. Fervent of mind, zealous for good works. Good works. In every conversation, in every uh, 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 interaction, the people would see the, the blessed words and the good works of Jesus Christ in you. Literally zealous for good works. Titus 3 talks about that, by the way. So what does it mean to be lukewarm? I have to be honest with you. I always focused on the being being spit out of my mouth, lukewarm, because that word is vomit. So I'm and you all know that. Oh Bill's always kind of fixating on, on the vomit stuff. I'm not today. I'm not. Okay? And i use all sorts of examples. But I want to focus on what it means to be lukewarm. And I, I honestly looked up the Greek word, and it means to be fluctuating between spiritual laziness and spiritual fervency. In other words, you never know what you're going to get with this guy. Some days he's, wow, yes, get her done. And, and of course, but then there's lazy sluggishness, and then people are looking at this guy, and all of a sudden he goes, woo, gets really crazy, and they go Oh, this guy's dangerous. You don't know what you're going to get. We need to be constant. God wants us to be constant. Now, this may sound not very nice, but Jesus would prefer that you're constantly cold and completely out of the church picture, so you're not making an ugly demonstration of what a Christian is. You would either be you be cold and completely out of the picture and have as much fun as you can for as long as you can because there's an end for this. I mean, that sounds terrible, but go back and look. Be cold or hot. Do not sit on the fence. Do not be wishy-washy. Do not have one foot in the boat and one foot on the dock. You're going to have a miserable life here, and then it's not going to get better. When you pass, say, God wants you to be fiery hot for him. Now, again, that doesn't mean scalding. What does that mean? To have the mindset to be fervent and in every relationship and every word being good and a blessing to others. And we can do that. But lukewarm, lukewarm, you won't make it. How many of you know the scripture says that a double-minded man is unstable in What? All his ways, and people can't depend on him. Uh, a wishy-washy person. Sometimes they're jealous for the truth. Sometimes they're out to lunch. We can't be that kind of people. We have to choose. And so, notice he says, uh, "You are self-deceived." Now, what does he say that? He says it right here in verse 17. But you say, quote, unquote, I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. Notice the the word I. I, I, I. Kind of like that Pharisee Eric was talking about. I give 10%, and I do this, and I do that, and I do all prayers, and I just, I'm amazing. Just ask. Well, that's terrible. They say no one ever does that. I would have to be honest with you. You're probably right. But in our heart of hearts, that might be A little small voice saying that I'm okay. And we're not using the scriptures to then use as a criteria to ask ourselves, am I actually living consistently like a Christian, like Jesus? That's an important question. It really is. And then if you're not, I love your example, well I blew it so I might also just have fun. You know, I ate chocolate so I could eat chocolate the rest of the day. No, 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 no. And that was a funny illustration, and sadly, that was very pointed at me too. I'm serious. It's awful, Eric. Awful. But I could laugh and giggle because that's not a sin. I mean, it might be sinful to watch me on on you know the video, like you said, but it's not a sin. But but there's serious consequences for going. Well, I blew it, so well I might as well just keep living that life. And you can't do that and expect to hear Jesus say, "Well done, thou good and." Good, well, how about, well, well, uh, out of here. Right? But, but I can't examine you. I need to examine me. That's what this is about. It's not about me poking my finger at you. It's about you examining yourself, using the scriptures as the example of Jesus as the standard. And so, so when we get back to this, don't be... Blinded by examining yourself and, and evaluating yourself based on some other criteria than Jesus Christ. Notice what he says here also in verse 17. He says, he says and you do not know. After he, after he quotes what they're saying in their heart. I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and you do not know your real spiritual state of being. Self-deceived. We can't be that way. We have the standard to show us To examine ourselves, test ourselves, as Paul said. Are we calmly-minded? Do our words and actions manifest a calmly-minded person? I've had to turn off my cell phone at night and let it charge and not turn on my cell phone until I'm done with my praying and my reading. even though I want so much to know what's happened in the world and want to know if someone sent me a nice text saying they like me or something, you know, I, I really want that because I, have unfortunately, and I'm just confessing this thing, I have to put it in a box and shut it down until I open up and go, okay, so I want to confirm Bible studies, and I want to con- I don't know about you, but I've had to force myself to do that. That's not a New Year's resolution, but that's probably a good one. I've already blown it already this year, if that were. But I keep forcing myself to go back. Nope, that's not how it's going to work. You see how important that is? I want to be like Jesus. Now notice what he says. Now if you spiritually, and he's talking to these people, he's not talking to us, but I want us to individually, spiritually appraise ourselves. Are we wretched? Are we miserable? Are we poor? Are we blind? Are we naked? What in the world does that mean? I don't know. Can you tell me? I'm not naked, I know that. Well, physically speaking, praise God, okay? There was a little joke at our house about uh, a shirt that my wife got me for Christmas, and she said she's gonna get rid of it. And then I was thinking, well, what about this? And so the conversation went, well, what happens if I don't have any more clothes? No one will want to come to the assembly. <laughs> Boy, how howdy, I'm sure that's the case. And that was what, just yesterday. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to be naked, ladies and gentlemen, whether it be physically, but more importantly, spiritually. We do not want. So what does this all mean? Just really quickly, uh, and I'm going to go real fast on these ones. I don't want to spend a lot of time here. Just that, And this is the, the Greek definition of being wretched. To be distressed and afflicted with troubles and pain because of a wrong focus, because of looking... Uh, in a fleshly way, not a spiritual way of things. So we are distressed, we're afflicted, we're miserable. Word miserable is interesting. The word misery, the pain of heart from the fruit of the consequences of worldliness. It's a heart internal pain of why did I do that? I'm suffering horribly in, in because of the, the poor choices I've made. Great pain, discomfort of mind. I have to share with you also, too, if you've gotten to a point where you're doing something that the Bible clearly says is a sin, but you're comfortable with that, you're in a very bad place. Because what have you done? You've seared the conscience. You've damaged your conscience so that, that you're not even able to feel guilt. You're not even able to feel remorse. That's a dangerous place. But he's talking about these people are not in that place. But they have misery because they're, they're, they're not getting their foot in the boat rather than having one foot in the world and one you know, foot in heaven. Well, the word poor there it means to be destitute or sorely lacking in Christian virtues and the eternal riches of His glory, like compassion and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and mercy. To be destitute or sorely lacking in Christian virtues, that's what it means to be poor blind means to be darkened in your mind blunted in mental discernment of good and evil to render foolish or the Greek word says stupid but I don't want to use that word I'll use ignorant that's a nicer word because ignorant this sounds better than stupid it means to render to be rendered foolish or ignorant of eternal truth you know what he's talking to people who are Christians he's talking to people who he loves. With all his heart because he died for them and they became his children so it's it's important for us to know that you become a Christian but you need to grow your faithfulness it could be that the devil's got you gaffed in one or more of the areas in your life and you want to really get rid of those now the word naked there means to be without proper clothing literally but if we take a look at the scripture like Hebrews in chapter 4 in verse 12 and 13 it means to be open and laid bare and exposed before the righteous standard of God. You know why you want to read the Bible? Is because in the privacy of your own home in the privacy of your own mind you can see uh oh I need to Change that in my life. No one knows. You know now. God knows. And he will help you make the changes that you need to make in your life. Now, if there's a trusted, a truly trusted brother or sister in Christ, and you want to come alongside and say, you know, Scott, would you help me out with this? And don't I trust you if I came alongside that you would be you know, take my confidence and you would help me. But this is actually talking about you recognizing and then in the privacy of your own mind and your own heart allowing God to reveal to you where you need help. That's so important. But now notice Jesus in point number two says, I advise you to buy stuff. Isn't that great that our, our master says, I want you to go out and buy stuff. I mean, I want you to buy a lot of good stuff. Wouldn't that be great? Here's a check with your name on it. And there's no amount. I want you to go buy whatever you need spiritually. By the way, that's literally true. He will give you anything that you need to serve him. I don't know about you, but that's an awesome thing. Now, notice what he says here. It's rather interesting in verse 18. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich. And you're going, yes baby, the price of gold is going through the roof. How many of you know it's true? It's crazy going through the roof. If you got gold, woohoo, in this life. But really, we're not talking about the gold, like the, the gold stuff that's heavy and shiny and whatnot. He's not talking about that. He's actually talking about the gold standard of Christ's faith. Go back with me really quickly to First Peter in chapter 1. Listen to what he says here <coughs> about what's more precious. The faith of Christ or actual gold? Beginning in chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, beginning there in verse uh, 7, he says let me find verse 7 uh, verse, excuse me, verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice that you've been born again Even though for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, evidence of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, your faith is being tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Is your faith pure Like the faith of Jesus Christ, though, that when he comes, you will hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You did exactly what he told you to do. Enter into your rest. I don't know about you, but that's what that's talking about. Not the gold of this world, but the gold of a faith like Jesus Christ that will stand and live the life so that on that last day, you'll be greatly rewarded. Now, what about this clothes stuff? He talks about clothes. You know, you're getting the right duds on. He says, and buy from me white garments so that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness will will not be revealed. I mean, what's the first thing you would do if if you jumped in a creek and all your bathing suit came off? You'd be going, throw me a towel! Wouldn't you? i would hope you would want that okay or you'd be diving underneath trying to find your duds i don't know about you but i've had my shorts come off when i jumped into old water when you dive in you know sometimes it's like oh, no. and i can't tell you um it was a horrible thing because i was there with a bunch of young men and young women when i was in high school being an idiot jumping off of rocks and bridges and stuff, but it's super embarrassing because there's your your, your, your shorts floating on the top, and you're like, oh, and you know something's wrong, <laughs> and you're splashing around, and people are laughing, and you know, you don't want to be caught with your uh, bathing suit not on, right? Well, you're saying you don't want to be caught unclothed before King Jesus, right? That's what was really talking about. And so let's take a look. What is this clothing? Would you turn with me to the book of Revelation? Keep your finger here in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 19. Many of you know this. Many of you know this. Verse 7. Revelation chapter 19, verse 7 and 8. Fantastic scripture. He says here, Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to God. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. And His bride, God's bride, Jesus Christ, Has made herself ready. That's us. It was given to her. Jesus, God the Father, gave to us to clothe ourselves in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Now I've given you some scriptures there to go back and look at. You know it says to be clothed in the armor of light. Why? Because of the battle. In this life, it says to be clothed with Jesus Christ so that when God sees you, he sees his pure, holy Son. Be clothed. That doesn't mean just to be baptized to receive the Holy Spirit. That means to actually clothe yourselves, to put on a heart of what? Compassion and kindness and gentleness and humility and and all those beautiful character qualities of Jesus Christ in your life manifest. That's what it's talking about. And so, well, there's other scriptures about main clothed, but uh, that's a beautiful one. Romans 13, verses 11 through 14, and of course, Revelation 19. Now what about this eye salve? This eye salve. It's rather interesting. I did a lot of research on that. They actually had an eye salve, special ointment that they had as an herbal ointment there in the city of Laodicea, that they were the known world at that time, they were renowned for. So everybody wanted to get their Laodicean eye sap because it supposedly helped take away the, the ugliness of your eyelids. It really didn't do anything for your eyes. Go back and check that out. But this is not talking about this. this is talking about your spiritual eyes. Have you, have, have you been blinded? Has the devil blinded your minds? It says he blinds the minds of the unfaithful. Blinds the spiritual eyes. Take a look with me in the book of Ephesians about the spiritual eyes that we are to have. Ephesians in chapter 1 and verse 18. What are we supposed to really be looking at? What are we really supposed to be looking to? In verse 18 he says, I pray, this is Paul, I pray that the eyes of your heart might know or be enlightened so that you'll know what is the hope of his calling. We're going to talk about hope all this next year. The next one is very important. What are the riches of His glory? He wants you to know the riches of His character and to know them and to live them by faith. You see, if we don't know what they are, can we live them? you can't, see? So the beauty of the scripture is this. Go to the scripture, listen to God. If you hear something that is offensive to God and you're doing that God loves you if you're a Christian God loves you if you're not and he wants you to become a Christian God so loved the world he gave his son he doesn't hate you, he doesn't hate me he loves us and he wants us in heaven with him forever this is not about getting slammed by God every time you open the book it's about God saying Bill, Bill you need to follow through on your promises. You need to be trustworthy. Man, I can't wait to hear more of those. I got a lot today, and I'm, I can't wait for the next lessons. Because we can be self-deceived. We can go, well, I'm just throwing it down. We can do that. I've done that. Not just about chocolates, but about other things that I shouldn't be doing that with. Thank you for Give me a little wake up punch in the gut. Actually, it was a you know piercing the conscience. No, that was great, brother. I appreciate it. Now, are we ready to finish this off? God loves you. Look at point number three, Revelation three, point number three, verse nineteen. Those whom I love, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Here's the beauty of this. Go look up that word love. That word love means a friend. That loves at all times. A friend that's willing to call you out when you're being an idiot. Literally, go back to look at Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 5 and 6. That's the kind of friend. That's the kind of friend that Jesus is. He's willing to call you out. He's willing to to <laughs> He's willing to run after you. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. That's perfect timing about really. he's He's willing to call you out. Would you want a friend to just allow you drive off a cliff and start saying, Man, you better put on the brakes. You're going off the cliff. Man, I want someone to call me out when I'm about ready to go off the proverbial eternal cliff. That's what Jesus is doing in the scriptures. Notice he says, I, I, if I love you, I'll reprove you, and, reprove you and discipline you. The word reprove means to convict and convince by telling a fault. To expose and call to account for uh, an evil deed done. Hey, are you okay with that? Man, I, if somebody comes up to me and starts going, man, you've got lots of issues in your life. That, that's not going to work so well. But do you trust? do you trust Jesus? Why is he calling you out? Because he doesn't want you to go off the cliff. See? Now, the word word, uh, uh, discipline there is interesting. The word discipline means three things. To teach, to train, and to chastise. So that character will be molded into the character of God's Son. You know, we taught our, our, our boys by way of teaching them what was the right thing to do. And then I remember we would work with them and training them and holding the doors for older people and saying please and thank you and standing up and greeting people as they would come in to our house for assemblies. We taught them those things. We trained with them things. Now, we never, we never did swat them for not, for not doing that, but we would when they got back in the car, we said, Boy, well, you forgot something, didn't you? I mean, we're men of integrity. We're men representing Christ Jesus, even though they're boys. And I love this next one, therefore, (laughs) because I love you, therefore be zealous and repent. Did you hear that? Because I love you and because I'm willing to call you out, be zealous, repent, change your mind, I'm giving you time. How many of you know 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9? What does 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 say? Come on, it has to do with repentance. Dun, dun, dun. What is it? Somebody got it? I'm not going to give it to you. You've got to find it. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but come to Repentance. That's talking to Christian people. That Bible verse is talking to Christian people. God doesn't want you to come up short. He doesn't. He'll call you out. And then He'll help you out so that you can make the changes that are necessary. I don't know about you. Do we need a friend like that one? Man, we need a friend like that one. Do you need a friend that will call you out when you're not going in the right direction? The answer is, of course, yes. So my question is will we, me, you, us, Listen by reading and going, home. Oh, okay, I see something I need to get out of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for showing that to me. Now, Jesus, if you'll forgive me, uh, will you help me? And of course, he will. He will. That's what a good friend does. Now, therefore, be zealous and repent. And then he says in closing, behold... I stand at the door and knock, if anyone hears my voice and the knocking on the door, please open it. I will come and I will see. Look at, he wants you to open the book, he wants you to listen to him. He wants to have that beautiful, sweet, amazing relationship with you once again. The devil doesn't want you to open the door, brethren. By the way, how many have ever heard this passage of Scripture based upon a sinner becoming a saint? That's wrong understanding of this passage. This is a Christian who has fallen away or is going after stuff in the world and Jesus is calling him out, knocking the door. Hey, would you let me in? I want to clean the house and I want to have supper with you. I want to have a sweet and awesome relationship with you. Do You see, this... This church is messed up, but guess what? This church is filled with children of God who have been putting their foot in the world and their foot in the church. Their foot in the world, their foot in heaven. He's saying, that's not going to work. These things will keep you out. Get your foot out of the world. Get your life out of the world and be fully committed to living for me. Because if you do, You'll get to sit on my throne judge all the angels and be given authority over much brethren i used to think that this this church this church of laodicea was the american church i used to think this was the church at the end of time but you know what? The church, church has always had individuals in it that had one, had one foot in the world and one foot in heaven. This church seemed to have the majority of people in that way. Could you imagine having a preacher that had one foot in heaven and one foot on earth? And was you know, it was preaching, and how it's supposed to get done? Sometimes he would use fleshly desires to draw you into more fleshly desires, and sometimes he would get it right and call you into, you would be confused, and then people who see you would be confused. I'm glad there's been men in my life who are willing to call me out. Preachers in my life from the pulpit were willing to, to say what was true, because that helped me. Grandpa Penny gently called me out over and over and over again as a new Christian. See? Garbage attracts flies, Bill. <laughs> In my relationships with young ladies. I mean, that was a pretty harsh statement. And he did it with a smile on his face. But man, it was like piercing heart, hot poker. <laughs> yeah, okay, I know again. <laughs> I to see him here again. <laughs> see, he loved me enough to call me out. I'm so glad for him. Whose picture is on my desk? The man who is willing to call me out. Grandpa Penny. Lord, my big brother is calling me out. Calling you out. Out of this world and into that beautiful relationship with him and with his family. Amen. This this church is about God's love for us. And don't take it as a, you know, I'm Damn it you are not. I just want all of us to hear, well done, thou good in faith, and enter into your rest. Let's pray. How deeply thankful we are, dear Heavenly Father, that you love us, and you're willing to point out, as we read the scriptures, point out to us where we're coming up short. I'm so thankful you're willing to do that. But more importantly, I'm thankful that you love me enough to do that, but more importantly, you are there for me. You have given me, us, a helper, to help us out of those habits, those mindsets of sin and into a mindset of Christ and a life of beautiful faithfulness. How deeply thankful I am for, for such a dear, sweet, amazing friend, an older brother, a king, a husband, the Lord, my master who would do that for me he wants me to be with him in heaven. How thankful I am Lord for you and your word. I pray now as we would now transition in the coming year to look at the hope that we have in you but also too we must examine that in the light of a hopelessness that this world offers and it truly is. And I think more and more people are seeing that. Help us Father then to come to you, to listen to you. And to give ourselves more fully to you. For truly you are, as as Eric read this morning in, in Psalms, you are our hope, our rock, our trust, our salvation, Father. Thank you so much for this last year. and We look forward, Father, to the great growth and learning that you'll grant to us in 2024. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's all stand and get alongside. excited. Braxton, what did he say to do? Go! Oh, well, let's try that again. Let's, let's help Braxton out. What did he say to do? Go! Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. Now, I'm going to turn this off, but I have an announcement. Please sit, if you would.